listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. Many of you probably don't know, but, uh, well, we have to start with the three crosses. It's the only place I can start. So on the night that Jesus was crucified, he was on the one cross, and uh, I nailed him to that cross. The second cross is an earthly cross. And one of the criminals on that cross, they hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us. So he must have known of Jesus. He must have heard of him. Or he wouldn't have been saying, you, you are the Messiah. But he never really looked at it from that perspective, only from himself. And the third cross... He was a heavenly perspective. Earth didn't matter to him. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and he wanted to be with him, and he asked him to take him with him, and Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise tonight. And as I look back on my life, I can say that uh, every decision you make is from one of those two crosses. You're either looking at it from an eternal perspective or from an earthly perspective. I wish I could stand here and tell you that for the majority of my life I looked at it from a heavenly perspective, but I can't do that. For well over half my life, I lived a Christless eternity. So my life started down in Minneapolis, and... uh, My mom and dad took me to church. I was baptized. And before I was one years old, we moved to Chicago. And I lived in Chicago. And when I was six years old, I had a dream. And that uh, dream I had standing in the back of my uncle's barn, I wanted to be a dairy farmer. And that dream controlled my life. It's kind of hard for a uh, kid growing up in Chicago to be a dairy farmer. I didn't, uh, I didn't get much time to practice, but the dream kept me going. It kind of made it awkward because the only farmer I knew was my uncle, and my uncle didn't, uh, he didn't believe in anything except farming and family. When you're a young kid living in Chicago, it's hard to explain to everybody that you just want to be a dairy farmer and you don't want to do anything else. So I didn't really fit in. They didn't really understand me, and I didn't really understand why they didn't understand me. So when I was 11, I thought things were going to get really good. I thought we were moving back to Minnesota. I could be a dairy farmer again, and now we moved to Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma City, they don't understand people from Chicago. They don't understand people that were dairy farmers. So 
I didn't fit in really well there, and I started to have real issues because some of my cousins were dropping out of school because my uncle didn't think they needed school because they were going to be farmers. I couldn't figure out why they made me go to school. So I started getting in a lot of trouble, and uh, I learned how to fight, learned how to be ornery, and that pretty much controlled the rest of my school years. Most of the time, they just passed me because they didn't want me there no more. I was causing too much trouble. Then I had the same thing. We still went to church, and I was confirmed. And the, the day we were confirmed, we stood up in front of an altar like this, and now well, we all recited the Lord's Prayer, except for those of us who had skipped too many classes and didn't know it. We just moved our mouth, and the pastor said it. But we were confirmed into the faith. I just kept getting angrier more frustrated with life because it just didn't seem like I really fit in anywhere. So I got through school and the, uh, I, w I went down to a, uh, well we moved back to Minneapolis and I thought that was going to be better. That didn't uh, really turn out that great either. Minneapolis doesn't have many dairy farms in it. But I found a school that, uh, they called it apprenticeship farming, so I was able to move down to pipestone and go to school and the only thing I really knew how to do was work and, and be ornery and luckily work saved me from a lot of bad things because when I went to school as with I suppose other people that have gone to college I made a lot of poor choices but when I had to go to work the one thing my uncle had taught me is you work farming is 24 hours a day seven days a week so when I got a job on a dairy farm I didn't have any time to do anything else. I went to school during the day and I worked at night. Um, when I went to the Pipestone, I, I'd get up and milk in the morning, go to school, come home and milk at night, and then do whatever odd jobs I could at night. And I just made myself get through that way. And as I look back, I can always say that, you know, God was with me. Because if it hadn't been for that, I would have made a lot poorer choices. And so somehow he took even what I was using for bad and he made it good. When I uh, got a job there, I, I met a the guy that I worked for was a Christian man. That was another blessing that I had. And uh, I had a good friend that worked for him and he was about 15 years older than me and they had a family and they, they were a really good Christian family. And you would think, well, you'd be able to start seeing some of that pretty quick and you could change your life and live that way, but it didn't work that way for me. So I worked there for a while, and when I got done with that, I moved to Howard Lake, and that's where I met Chris, and we got married. I met her in August of 1984, and we were married in April of 1985. Best thing that I ever did. She brought joy to my life, started to show me there was more things besides just working, but I had that dream. I was going to be a dairy farmer. So I kept working, and pretty quick, Things were frustrated where I was, so I moved again, and we moved up to Villard. I was in 1985 that fall. We moved up here, and I started working down there. And every time I changed job, things would be pretty good because gave me something new to focus on and something new to do. 
So, in 1986, the, uh, Mindy was born. And two months before Mindy was born, I was gassed in a silo. I've been up many silos. I've lowered the doors, changed doors. I've leveled many silos off. I've never been gassed in a silo. Didn't even really know it could happen to you. We had the silo blower running. And I climbed up and I threw my forks in like I always did, a couple doors higher. And I, I remember that day sitting there. I was going to jump in like I always did. And I heard a voice. He, he said, no, you go down and you go in. Don't jump. I don't know. I did. I went down two doors. I opened up the door. And I was met with a uh, door full of gas. So there I was stuck in a silo chute full of gas. I was about three quarters of the way up a 90-foot silo. And I remember hitting the silo chute on the bottom in the elevator. I don't ever remember hitting the ground. But I know I hit the ground because I could see it. I could see myself laying there. And I've heard many people talk about it when they've had a, I don't know if they call them an out-of-body experience or what you call it, but they talk about paradise, bright lights. I didn't see that. I saw a deep, dark hole. And uh, I really think that day God showed me that I was sitting on uh, Christless eternity. For a lot of people, that would have been enough to make them change their ways. I laid on the ground for over 45 minutes. The guy that I worked for, he said he almost thought about calling the ambulance. He didn't think I was going to get back up. But I did the same thing I always did. After I was finally able to get back up, I, I went back to work. I got my cows milked. Just was a little bit ornery about it. So. And that was the way it continued to go. I don't uh, really know why that didn't affect me, but it didn't. I had talked about, it's time to change. I've got to start doing something different. But I, I couldn't. I just kept doing it my way. At that time in my life, I lived for me, myself, and I. My wife and kids, they came along for the ride, but I was chasing the dream. So things went bad there, and I lost my temper and quit my job. That was pretty normal by that point. My temper was bad. I lived in frustration and fear and anger. So we uh, moved up, bought a place up in Nelson, and, and uh, kept living there. I got another job on a dairy farm, and I milked cows there. And, My little sister died in 1989. She was 25 days over 18 years old. Died of cancer. I had never talked to God much. Like I said, we've been to church and everything, and I, ne I never talked to God. I had no idea, really, that God existed. But I remember that night I, I told him, take me. I ain't no good. She was good. He didn't listen to me that night. But he did give me a sign that night, and I missed it. 
And I look back on it now and I take a lot of joy from it. When she was, well, we lived up here and we had gotten down there to see her and I talked to her for about a half hour that night. And when we left, they said she was probably gone before we got into the car. But when we left the room that night, it was my mom and my dad and her were sitting there. And she reached her arms straight up. She sat up out of bed, stretched her arms up. My mom went over to give her a hug. She moved her out of the way, said no. Just looked heavenward, laid down and died. I know she went to heaven that night. And I know she'll be waiting there. That's a good thing. But that wasn't enough to change me yet. Just made me ornery. So, by 1991, we had three kids. I was working as much as I could work, trying to be a dairy farmer. And my wife, she was at home taking care of the kids and doing all the work to keep everything straight there. I wasn't much help at any of that. And then, 1991, I... Uh, I made the comment that would change my life forever. I was getting done milking on a Sunday morning, and uh, there was a hoof trimmer that came up in the day by the name of Crazy Al. And he was, he was crazy. We trimmed cows in the back of a U-Haul uh, van. So in order to get them, you had to push them up into the U-Haul van, and then he'd tie them in there, and he'd trim them, and he wouldn't use a, a grinder or anything. He'd only use hand tools. So we got eight calls done a day. But you work pretty good to get them up and down out of the chute. Anyway, he came in that Sunday morning and he asked me if uh, we were going to work or if we were going to take the day off. And then he said, uh, I told him that we're going to work. He said, well, I thought you might want to go to church. Maybe you want to worship God. Yeah. I said, no. I said, I don't need God. I don't need anything. There is nothing I can't move, I can't go over, I can't go through that I can't do on my own. I don't need God. God listened to me that time. I thought we had a pretty good life, really. We, we had three kids, we had a nice house, I had a good job. The only problem was I didn't have any God. It was only me. I can't tell you that I remember a whole lot about the next two weeks. Just that it was probably the most miserable time of my life. I know it was the most miserable time of my life. Then it was the most miserable time of my life for my wife and my kids. While I was uh, trying to figure out how to get through each day, because when you tell God you don't need him and he decides he's going to leave you, things get pretty bleak. It was bad enough before, because of my anger, my temper. Things got worse. So my mother-in-law came up and 
Chris and the kids went down to stay with them for a while. When they left that day, my mother-in-law came in and she told me, I know you love them. I know you love the kids. And I know you're full of love. I'll be praying for you. And she walked out the door. And there I stood in the middle of my nice house, all by myself. I didn't have no friends, never tried to make a friend. So it was just me. So I did what I always did. I went to work and milk cows. And that's how I lived for a couple days. And Chris and the kids come back and tried to put everything together and tried to keep moving forward and I don't know how many days it really was. I got no idea. But God let me see myself one more time. And that was worse than the first time. I remember sitting on the barn floor and I was sitting leaning up against the wall and I didn't have anything left. I couldn't cry. I couldn't scream. I couldn't hit nothing. I didn't have no temper left. I was totally wiped out. And God let me see that. I, I remember I could see myself sitting on the floor. All it was was an empty hole. That time it woke me up a little bit. So we started trying to do some things. And Chris had always taken the kids to church. So I started trying to go to church. But I don't know, I didn't really get much out of it. I just went to church. Then one night, and I don't remember the day, I don't remember the time. It could have been three months after, it could have been a year, I don't really know. But I sat up one night, I woke her up, and I said, I know what I need. I need Jesus. So, I started trying. So we bought this Bible. This is the Bible we bought at that time. Every note I've ever made about God is in this Bible. All my kids' verses. And I started trying to figure out, how does a guy like me get from a place where you're raised in a family that went to church and you have absolutely no faith in Christ? I don't know if I've ever come up with that answer really good, but we kept trying and we kept looking. And uh, one day, a guy by the name of Art Johnson come into the barn where I worked. And I wasn't looking for a job. And Art said, hey, you looking for a job? And I said, no. And Art said, I got a great job. And if any of you know Art Johnson, he, uh, there's never been a job that Art had that wasn't the best job in the world. <laughs> And he was telling me about the job, and he had me convinced it was the best job in the world. So I, I called Phil Larson up, and we drove out here. And when we were driving down number four out here, I, I told Chris, we've been here before. I don't know if I've, Phil, do you remember that we had interviewed with you before? No, that's too far ago. Hmm? 
I had three years before I had been there. Um, and we decided to go back to where we were working and stay there. And the only reason we did was Phil had offered to pay us quite a bit more money than what the guy was paying me down there. And I told that guy quite a bit more over what Phil had told me, and he agreed to pay it. So we stayed there. Again, it wasn't really a Christ Center decision, but it, uh, it was the decision that was made. But anyway, Art told me about it. We came out here, and Phil gave us a job. And that changed my life. Now, I don't want to... Phil and Dave I worked for for, for many years, and, and I, I thank them greatly for the job. And I could thank every one of you here at Elam for... Uh, being part of my life and changing our life. But because of what God has done through Snooze Valley and Elam and all of you that go to church here, it changed the course of our life. I've told my wife many times, and I'll say it a little nicer way tonight, but if it hadn't been for my wife, I'd be dead and living in a Christless eternity. If it hadn't been for Snooze Valley and Elam, I'd be dead and living in a Christless eternity. So when you look at the three crosses, I hung on that Christless eternity for many years. And only by God's grace did I get moved to the one that looks to heaven first, and I can say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He's used everybody in this church, everybody in this community. He's used my wife and my seven kids to save me. I've always questioned the fact, what is a guy who lived his life like me who would tell God, I don't need him? Why would he give you seven kids? Seven kids that love the Lord. Six in-laws that love the Lord. I got 14 grandchildren. I got 17 grandchildren. Three of them are in heaven. I'll meet them someday. But those 14 grandchildren are all being raised in Christian homes. And it's all because people in this area made the choice to share the love of God to live on the eternal cross instead of the earthly cross. And I thank you all very much for that. I'm sure there's probably some that I had wanted to say, and I, I didn't uh, get it out because I didn't make any notes. I, uh, I just figured God would tell me what I needed to be saying tonight. He's done well. I'll share this with you. About two years ago when I was, uh, I was driving, I believe when I was at the pig farm driving home from Appleton, I think is when he actually gave this to me. I've always believed in my heart that if I would have chased the dream that he had given me and put him first in my life, I would have been a dairy farmer. because I chose my way 
He let me get close to it. He's given me a good life with it. But I never achieved my dream of wanting to be a dairy farmer. But he gave me this when I was driving home. And if these are strong enough, I'll be able to read it for you, I think. This is God's way. Chase the dream. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So then love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, because you know you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because God knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that is why whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And that is why you should look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. So you can say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? You can be confident that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline, so that we are not ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us, and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So there is the proof. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So chase the dream, because of God's greatest promise, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I realize that's nothing but a bunch of verses put together, right? I tell you that it was given to me by God for one simple reason. The verses that I read here are a verse that my wife has picked. And I've always encouraged my kids to pick a verse when they're young and use it as your verse. So the way that it was read was read in order from my oldest to my youngest. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That was the first verse that my oldest grandson memorized. So they're verses. But God gave them to me in a special order. So as we sit here tonight, thinking of Lent and their things are to come, I can tell you that I believe in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. I know I'm still a singer. I'm not a singer. I'm a sinner. <laughs> but the... Uh, by God's grace, he's moved me to the eternal cross. Still a sinner, still fall short. But because of that, someday I'm looking forward to the day 
that I can walk in heaven with him. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor K-J-O-L-H-A-U-G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.